Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A Little More Good. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. My name's Dean. With me, as always... What's up, everybody? Zach's here. Yes. It's a good day. It's a good day. Happy Tuesday. We love dropping these episodes with these incredible people that we have. You know, I was just thinking today, Zach, what, um, how truly fortunate we are. I was up in the, I was up in the gym uh, here at my place getting a little spicy workout in. I can tell. Do you know the guns are looking uh, I don't full... Know. Uh, Full Rushmore mode over it's there. Just, it's just broccoli. It's just broccoli. Powered by broccoli. Yeah. Let's go. But I, fo- I follow this guy on Instagram, Anthony Diaz, uh, and he posts these amazing workouts. Um, and there's some some you can do, like you need a gym, like you need a barbell and stuff, but a lot of them are just like dumbbell kind of workouts that you could do anywhere. Uh, also, one of my inspirations for getting the weighted vest. He does Oof. a lot of he does a lot of stuff with a weighted vest, and so I've recently ventured into the life of of running around the, the neighborhood with a weighted vest on and it's amazing. Um, but Anthony Diaz, he's amazing. He posts these, these spicy workouts. I did one this afternoon just cause of a small window of time and, uh, 250 meters on the rower. So you just like spicy row. And then, uh, it's like a ladder or like a pyramid. So three, six, nine, 12, 15, 12, nine, six, three. Uh, and you do strict like overhead shoulder press okay. with dumbbells. And then, dumbbell squats okay so you three you do the rower then you do three and three then you jump back on the rower then you do six and six 12 and 12 and with the rower in between so at the end of it you row like 2200 meters and do whatever that is of all of these sets and the goal is like a fast time is like under 20 minutes and a good time is anywhere between like 20 and 30 okay so it's spicy man and i was pushing it I was dying. For those, you know, we'll get the audio, the video going to Mecca with the audio one day, but uh, <laughs> Dean is a monster on the roar. Oh, man. Last uh, last year around this time, I felt like I was like in the best shape of, of quite some time yeah. following your spicy rowing uh, program. And uh, dude... Uh, you're keeping up with the motorboats on that uh, on that rowing machine. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. You know when you find your thing, right? I, I got uh, I got a lot of mass to move, and when I'm when I'm sitting down, I can just like pump my legs. It's it, like it's. I think it's to my advantage. You yeah. know, long legs. Anyway, it's fun. I really like it. It's like your strength training and cardio training all at once, and at the end of the workout, you're just spent. It feels so good, and it's like twenty. You know, whatever. That's awesome. I yeah. love I love efficiency in those those yeah. things because uh, my spicy workouts can uh, can't do them for you know thirty forty fifty minutes. That's right. Yeah. Oh, do you want to know something funny today? I do. I, do too. I, I actually snuck in a little a little juicy jog today. Nice. And um, for those listening that aren't from Vancouver, might not know this reference, but uh, I was running on this trail that's like by the forest next to the water uh, in an area called Southlands in Vancouver mm. and um, goes by me, um, you know, going at a good pace uh, was one of the Sedin twins. Oh, yeah, no way. And I was like, oh, it's one of the Sedins. I don't know which one, but that's so cool. <laughs> and then literally like 300 meters later, the other Sedin twin came trotting along wearing the exact same outfit, but they were like 300 meters apart from each other. They were having a, maybe a fight today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Cause we ran the van first half like 2020 before, just before things started to shut down with COVID. We still got to run this half marathon. Yes. And the Sedin twins were in it and we yes. saw them that morning too. And they're very, very, very oh, yeah. strong runners. Yeah. Very yeah. Fast. The, one of the twins was running at, uh, 
at a, at a good pace and the other one was more of a jog but uh nice they were in matching lululemon outfits as wow. good twins do and uh yeah, yeah. One, one was working unless they were like going so fast that they were like lapping me <laughs> and it was the same person but uh, uh i don't know i think it was both of them that's cool though yeah see them out, out in the wild yeah sweet there vancouver vancouver royalty i feel like at this point right yeah vancouver siding vancouver siding so if you yeah. go run along southlands you might uh Encounter. see some see some royalty but you gotta you gotta be able to run fast to, to keep up with them yeah it's like yeah. should i pick up my pace and be like hey yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, nah, i was in slow jog there you long go slow distance zone two zone two zone two only yes well we got uh we got a great guest lined up today really really excited to drop this episode we do talk about running in this episode which is maybe not a huge surprise if you've been a long time listener zach and i often go down the rabbit hole of running but uh, our guest today Dora Kamau, she is uh, not only a, an accomplished runner, running you know recently the LA Marathon and getting more and more into it. Kind of her eyes are set on some other races around, but um, she's really this wonderful, wonderful soul in the world uh, that teaches people the power of meditation. And I mean, even me using the word teaches, you know, we talk into we we touch in the, on the podcast into this idea of being a teacher, but also being simultaneously the student and maybe more of like a steward of this gift of like meditation and looking within and even uh, even healing. She uses she uses the word like kind of the words of like wellness artists, like weaving this tapestry of of how we can make ourselves better through these practices of of yeah, looking within using meditation. And so we had an amazing conversation with her. Uh, really excited to to share this one with you. Um, it's full of wisdom from Dora as well as some practical takeaways. And she kicks the podcast off by just centering us with this beautiful, beautiful grounding meditation. So something that we can come back to and use time and time again, for sure. We get into it on the pod, but uh, if you are not familiar with Dora's work, um, she is one of the uh, leading voices, uh, leading teachers, you know, use that word as as you wish teacher student for headspace um she's got incredible meditations to follow on headspace on spotify she has some on youtube um feel to heal emotional body scan we talk about some of our favorite ones Mm -hmm. on the episode so we won't give away too much but she truly is a graceful beautiful curious person that kind of embodies that um that beautiful connection to to self and place in a way that uh, you know we we admire and try to embody in our own life mm-hmm. all right before we roll into this week's episode we've got a couple sponsors to share that's right we're excited to talk about planted expo happening here again in vancouver uh, they've been longtime fans of us uh, here at A Little More Good, and we've been longtime fans of them. Stephen Murkovich and the team do a great job pulling off um, just an incredible weekend, bringing together all kinds of uh, established and new people in the plant-based community, whether they're speakers, teachers, doctors, leaders, or people doing incredibly innovative products. Uh, It's a great, great event, and it's happening soon this month at the end of May, May 27th and 28th, down at the Vancouver Convention Center, Planet Expo Vancouver. You don't want to miss it. Uh, Tickets are available through 
the Planted Expo website, which is plantedlife.com. Plantedlife.com. You head there, you can grab your tickets, you can grab a day pass, or you can grab the weekend pass. And honestly, it's hard to see it all in one day. So do yourself a favor and just get the double pass for the weekend. You can take the Canada line down. You can ride your bike down. It's going to be beautiful weather, I'm sure. There's some great speakers lined up, including... Your, your, yours. <laughs> Dean and, and myself will be speaking on the Saturday. Yes. And hopefully I don't uh, bumble our talk as much as I just bumbled that one. No, it's great. Yeah, we're excited to we're excited to take the stage Saturday afternoon and um, share with share with everyone who comes there a little bit about the podcast, a little bit about our kind of core pillars of living, and you know just our, our excitement around um, plant based lifestyles and all of that good stuff. So check it out. Grab your tickets. Plantedlife.com. We look forward to seeing you there. Shout out to the people at Planet Expo. They are. The wonderful best, human beings yeah i think i was trying to say yours truly is a plural and i got uh yeah. tongue twisted <laughs> is it ours truly ours truly ours yours truly. is truly yours is truly we'll be there truly we will be there we'll see you may 27th and 28th planet expo vancouver we also want to shout out athletic greens this week's episode was brought to you by ag1 by athletic greens yes sir our favorite daily go-to healthy habit Wake and shake, as we like to say. Mm -hmm. I am fully hooked on this goodness. Over 75 incredible nutrients in each scoop. And it's just so convenient. You know, you get your your scoopy scoop and you drop it in your bottle of water. You give it a shaky shake and you're good for the day. It's full of probiotics, prebiotics, mushrooms, you know, greens. It's kind of got your all-in-one everything that you could dream of plus whatever's in your neighbor's cupboard plus a little more it's your all-in-one everything that you could dream of um i'm hooked on it my wife's hooked on it my kids love it in their smoothies uh i feel like our whole neighborhood now is a little athletic greens ag1 neighborhood and we're just creating our own little blue zone of wellness out here in steveston many thanks to athletic greens so if you want to join us on this roller coaster of good times health and well-being how can we how how can we sign up, Dina? Yeah, we got a little link for you that is going to give you a, a nice little perk. So you want to visit athleticgreens.com/slash/more-good. That is athleticgreens.com/slash/more-good. And when you uh, get your order there, it will give you five free travel packs and a year's supply of immune supporting immune supporting vitamin D, which is so good. Even in these summer months here in Vancouver, we still need that vitamin D to help us just feel our best. So check it out. You can get yours. You can join the AG1 crew by visiting athleticgreens.com slash more good to get yours. And uh, yeah, get on the bandwagon. Feel good from the inside to the outside with Athletic Greens. All right. On to this week's episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. We're very, very excited to have joining us today, Dora Kamau. We're sitting across the the Zoom table with you down in sunny Los Angeles. So thank you for for making time to be with us today, for fighting the L.A. traffic and for showing up (laughs) in in all of your fullness to to be here with us. We just really appreciate, uh, yeah, the the chance to sit and chat with you. Um, And you had asked and we had asked and you had asked as well if you could open this conversation with just a kind of brief grounding meditation moment and I couldn't think of a better way to begin so I'll turn it over to you 
Dora. Thank you. I need this more than anyone. So we're going to just take a moment to arrive wherever you are. Closing your eyes if that feels right for you, if that's accessible for you in this moment. Maybe feeling your feet on the floor, resting the palms of the hands on your lap. Just taking a moment to check in and notice what's present in your mind in this moment. What thoughts are here? And then also checking in and noticing your body. How does your body feel in this moment? Really giving yourself the permission to be here, however it is that you are arriving. So whatever thoughts are present, emotions, feelings, sensations, just allowing them to be here. Together, let's take a deep breath, breathing in through the nose and breathing out through the mouth, letting everything go. And again, breathing in and breathing out. One last time, breathing in and breathing out. Just allowing the breath to flow naturally and effortlessly. Noticing how you feel now. And again, however it is that you are arriving is enough. And then just beginning to wiggle your hands, wiggle your toes. Maybe taking a gentle stretch if that feels good. Whenever you're ready, just slowly and gently opening your eyes. Thank you for being in practice. Thanks, Dora. That was so nice. I feel so <laughs> grounded and calm. Just a reminder that, you know, that's a good way to, to start every day or any moment that, uh, you know, could be stressful or in need of grounding or, or connection, just to take that pause to to breathe and reconnect to self. So thank you mm. for that. Yeah. yeah. Thank the, you. The perfect, the perfect introduction, I think, to, to who you are and what you do. Uh, you know, we can, we can give all the accolades and description of teacher, perpetual student of life. Uh, I love mm. on your website, wellness alchemist, mixing yeah. breath work, mindfulness, meditation, all of the things. This is, this is the work you do in the world, but to experience it, even in just mm. a few short minutes um, is it's just, that's the real thing. Thank I love you. it. Yeah. yeah. I try. I mean, it took me a while to get to this point, but 
I just know how transformative a few deep breaths can be. And sometimes I'm afraid to do it. You know, sometimes people are like, what are you doing? But I'm like, I, I need this. Yeah. <laughs> I need this. Yeah. So yeah, grateful for all the moments that have led to this moment for sure. Yeah, I think we'd, we'd love to to jump into that for sure and hear some of your story and, and kind of those moments along the way that got to to us today and you today. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing on the out breath, one of the things that kind of the thoughts that I noticed come up for me is like, why does this feel so good? Like mm-hmm. it just feels so good to sit, to be still, even for 90 seconds, two minutes, whatever it is, to sit and to, to have someone help you, to guide you through and to, to be in your body. Okay, however deep or shallow you'd like to go into that, like why, why do these practices make us feel so good? I think it's a, one, a remembering of what's always there as human beings, right? We are naturally calm. There's this natural place of mindfulness this reservoir that we have access to, but it's really our thoughts, emotions, feelings, all those different things that can arise, that kind of cloud our perspective of what's available, the possibilities that are available with a deep breath. And on a physiological level, we have the vagus nerve that starts at the base of your neck, running down to the bottom of your spine. And that's the rest and digest system of the body. And so taking those deep breaths as we're breathing into the stomach, that turns on and that's so powerful but yet we forget that we have our breath most days like i even though i did it now i mean it takes a lot of intention and choice to remember to take a few deep breaths before i am in a meeting or doing an interview or whatever it is yeah Yeah. does it still like that was i don't know how long that meditation was like you mentioned like it was a couple minutes right does it still blow your mind how taking that pause can give such clarity and calm? Like you can, I was feeling, you know, excited and, um, you know, Dean and I were having some laughs before. So my, my energy was like at a high level, um, and, and just like separately other stresses and stuff. So I like, I had a bit of a frantic energy and then just within those two minutes, like I feel like a, like a different person just from two minutes i feel calm grounded present like does it continue to blow your mind the 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 power of pause of breathing of taking a moment to to connect yeah um and i think because one of the tenets of mindfulness is beginner's mind so that uh perspective or attitude of like i don't know what this moment holds or this moment is new and i'm bringing a sense of curiosity and um i you know i still am mind blown at the fact that i have this tool my breath i don't need to go out and buy it uh it's not subscription based it's just something that's here that i readily can use in any single moment and i think it's that piece that i'm always blown away by of like a few deep breaths can change the course of your day. Um, and I think the the remembering piece of that, because throughout our days, we can move on autopilot. Like, you know, I have my morning routine. I know I need to do these things, work, blah, 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 blah. And then it's nighttime and I go to bed and do it again. And taking a deep breath or whatever it is that you do to find a moment of pause, like it's so transformative. And 
if I don't do it after a while, I'm like, oh, I forgot. I forgot this is what it was like. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm not now. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of expected, you know, but it is still mind blowing that we have the breath as a tool. Um, and it's just being discovered now. Breathwork is just a thing that's on the rise, which is so interesting because breathwork or pranayama is like an ancient old technique, thousands of years old. And here we all are amazed by what we can do by the breath. So, yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. We come into this earth with a breath and we leave it, leave it with a breath and, um, you know, I think about how I mentioned stress earlier and we talk a lot about, you know, fight or flight or freeze, but really we need to be educating pause and breath so that when you're in those moments, just like reconnect to your breath and then take a little bit of pause or space if that if that circumstance allows you to and then, you know, readdress your surroundings and see how that changes the situation. Yeah, I just finished teaching MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. It's an eight-week program. Um, That program is usually what um, most research articles will use when talking about like the efficacy or benefits of mindfulness. And I realized throughout the course working with my students how much of a privilege it is to even have access to pause. And that, I think, is something that was a a mind-blowing reminder for me. Like there's so many steps that can come before pausing or presence that I definitely take advantage of. Mm. Um, But a lot of people don't, you know, don't have access to that, right? Like if I think about my ancestors, I think about my mom and my dad, like there was no pause. My mom had to survive and was in that constant state of survival for such a long time that you know, when I tell her, okay, take a deep breath, it kind of seems like, why would I do that? <laughs> you know, what's the point? You know, I don't have time to do that. Yeah. Um, and even talking with my students as well, it was like this thing, it feels like such a privilege. Um, and I don't think that we talk a lot about that, that p- privilege to pause and to be with the breath or even to learn about these tools and have access to self-reflection or self-inquiry. I think... I don't want to say with the commodification of wellness, but you know, when it's on the rise, we kind of forget about there are people that really, really need it that don't have access to it. So that's something I'm trying to be more mindful of, of like, it's, it's a privilege to breathe easy at times for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really appreciate that statement. Um, just even thinking about, you know, this, the state, the state of our world and, um, I'm a, I'm a teacher, uh, here Mm -hmm in high school and um just last month with or two months ago now i guess with february being black history month we we focused a little bit on that and some of our students wrote about exactly that concept like the idea of the i can't breathe was a big part of the campaign and and now in this current moment teaching about privilege you know and having people make the connection between their their ability to walk with ease through the streets or as you said to breathe easy is a privilege it's something that we don't often think of until we're confronted with it and i think that's really important to to note and equally to know that all of us regardless of who we are or where we're from we're born with this these these tools these gifts of our breath and intuitively on some level we know you know a stressful situation we take a deep breath or in in a moment of excitement or whatever our bodies are telling us 
these things, but we need, we need guides. We need, you know, fellow practitioners and students on this journey of life to say, Hey, yeah, let's lean into that practice and to, to raise our collective awareness of, of these, these tools. Our bodies are telling us something. Let's listen to that. Right. Um, but such a powerful connection between that space that we may or may not have always in our lives. Yeah. And that's what I personally believe is that mindfulness is really just a remembrance of what's already there. Mm -hmm. Like the body is here. It's communicating to us. I think it just takes that moment of like, I'm remembering that I have my breath or I'm remembering that I can listen to these bodily cues that hold so much wisdom and knowledge about ourselves, about our environment, about the people that we're around. Um, that's something that I've been really trying to lean into of like cultivating that sense of self-trust um, and trusting that I I have the tools. I Sometimes it's easy to go out and buy them, yes, and get all the things, but um, I also can just go within. And I do that through sitting and being still and being with my mind and just connecting to what's already there. Mm. I love that. Like, uh, you know, you mentioned how this is an ancient practice, but I feel, yes, there is this rise of, of, of wellness and there's all these, you know, various services and apps that are all amazing. And, and, you know, the, the domino effect is, is super positive. Um, but these are are um, ancient practices that have been around for for a time, and reconnecting to that that process. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to share. Uh, I was I was listening to your your meditations, you know, in preparation for the podcast, and <laughs> and uh, there was one that I listened to like three or four times: the full bloom body scan meditation. Oh yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> and, and you had some language in that one that was so beautiful and so nice. Um, when you spoke of one, I thought it was like a beautiful image, but to my like capitalistic mind and and just uh, mm-hmm. you know my own woo woo mind, uh, you talked about like the body being covered in soil and rich earth, and 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 I just that was such a rich image that I wanted to like experience it. You know, I wanted to be like covered in soil and, and Mm -hmm. uh, just with some levity, I was thinking about like, uh, you know, how ice baths and saunas are all the rage, but I'm like, man, if we got some, uh, you know, some good soil from an old growth forest and filled it with a, filled it in a bathtub and like, you know, sunk ourselves into that (laughs) soil and charged into all of those, you know, positive electrons from the earth that's that's like uh sign me up for that i mean it's the same i'm a big grounding person i'll put my feet in the soil wherever i'm at um you may not have to like do the whole bath but you could definitely put your feet (laughs) on the ground and just connect to the earth um there's just so much like sometimes i can really feel the like earth's energy the electricity that's there that's alive that is creating so much like I think it's when I really started to practice a lot more. I, my relationship to nature changed and I am just in awe of how the earth is the earth. Like sometimes I'm like, how, how does the moon know where to be or the sun or like how intentional are the cosmos that the sun doesn't just drop and is gone, you know, like everything in the 
universe is so intentional and it reminds me of the practice of mindfulness it's intentional as well to come back to the present moment time and time again or to choose to take a deep breath like these are things that are so intentional um, and that's reflected in nature right the cycles the blooming of flowers decaying of flowers like all these things are being reflected to us and you know, before when I wasn't as mindful, I didn't really have a connection to that. I was just like, oh, that's nice. Let me take a picture and, mm. <laughs> you know, save it for later. But now I'm like, there's so much wisdom um, in the earth and nature. And I'm really just trying to be more of a steward to the earth so I can take care of it so it can continue to do its job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When you see the connection between those things and, and like you said, the intentionality, behind the design or the implementation or creation or however we would choose words to describe it of of the cosmos and the universe and certainly our planet we see ourselves as more connected to it than separate from and then the yeah. next logical response is okay how do i become more aware of that connection and how can i preserve it through you know whatever it might be just recognizing our our, our presence here has can have a negative or positive impact on the world around us and yeah. yeah. Listening to some of the meditation as well. And, and, you know, we sit back and oftentimes it's trying to quiet thoughts or notice yeah. them, but then let them pass and get to the state of, of, you know, somewhat like em empty thought or, or without thought. Um, is it apophatic or the, there's an apophatic uh, meditation where you're trying to like empty your thought. I don't know. There's two like fancy words, but anyway, my yeah. question, my question is like, what what role does imagination play in moving us into a state of mindfulness? What, whether it's like, imagine yourself in this scenario, yeah. or, or or bathing in soil. Like, do we? Yeah. Is it good to ignite our imagination in those in those ways and kind of like use it to move us into to new states of awareness? Yeah, I think awe is so profound. It has there's so much science and research on how awe is good mind for mind, body, and spirit. And for me, when I'm creating my meditations, uh, it's art. You know, I'm I don't I don't like to call them like content or meditations. Like for me, this is art. It's like the final act of grieving, maybe, where it's like, now I've moved through all those different things, and I'm creating this thing that is a reflection of everything that I just experienced. And so with that uh, in full bloom body scan, I've been on this journey of learning to befriend my body. And that was also that was also symbolizing like befriending the earth. And so for me, I was like, there's so much that I'm finding about being in connection to nature and the earth that I want to learn about, that I want to take and now add to like the practice of me befriending my body. And I found that tending to a garden is kind of the same way that we can tend to our bodies. So there's a process of, you know, purification or detoxification that we go through and imagining what that looks like and like the possibility and the awe that can be, um, found in that instead of like I don't know sometimes it feels like a chore to take care of yourself right it's like it can turn into a punishment at times and mm -hmm. so I think imagination allows us to reimagine 
the relationships that we have to everyday things, our bodies, uh, nature, our relationships, work, whatever the case may be. And I think within that, we're able to have a different perspective, a more widened perspective of how we can show up and be in the world. So that's hopefully what my meditations do um, and hopefully what people feel inspired to be curious about when they practice with me. Um, they're definitely different from most practices. And I did that really intentionally because again, it's like I'm teaching from what I know. I don't teach from something I've read about. I'm like, one of my meditations is called Healing from Heartbreak. And I had a little studio in my closet and I was like bawling my eyes out while I was recording that. And it, on my YouTube channel, it's like the highest performing piece of content. <laughs> and I'm like, this is weird, but you know, it's coming from like a really authentic place. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's just, that's my creation process, but also how I'm able to reimagine some of these things that may feel mundane or heavy or boring or like a chore. And it's like, let's, let's connect to the possibility of what it would look like to tend to our bodies as if we are tending to a garden. What does that feel like? How does that actually feel in the body and in the mind? Yeah. I love that. Uh, Dean, you might have some thoughts too, but, uh, you know, when I think about a garden, when I think about plants or the forest or, or tending to to these these wild things or these things in the garden, I just think of beauty, you know? Like when I go, I think about my, my mom's garden growing up and I, it was always a place of awe and magic and appreciation. And I just like stare at these, these miracles and, and get lost in them. Mm. And, um, you know, I've never looked at a tree or a, a, a herb or any plant and, and judged it for its appearance. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've judged myself for my appearance, my body, all sorts of things that are, are common in today's society. But if you change that language, and I love, I love your use of language, tend to ourselves like a garden, then instead of seeing what's wrong with myself, I can see you know, the awe and the the magic and the possibilities and, and you know, the mysteries and all, all those things that I experience when I, you know, walk through a garden. So if I, one, I appreciate you kind of sharing that, that, um, that shift, because I think if we can, can catch ourselves when we're looking in the mirror or, you know, upset with how we feel or how we look and just remind ourselves to tend, or, tend to ourselves like a garden. It, it can change that whole relationship. Yeah, there's more grace there, you know, like you want to learn about self-compassion, like have a plant, have a flower, like it's hard to maintain mm. it. But for me, like there's so much curiosity there where, you know, when it, maybe when it comes to myself, it's like I know about myself already or there's no sense of curiosity and being in nature or having plants at home allows me to uh, get curious, get my hands dirty, also cultivate a sense of compassion and grace and honoring the cycles of life. Like plants are always decaying and growing again. And I think that also is a reflection of life in and of itself, right? There's parts of me that have also decayed and are growing and being able to honor that there's just so much freedom mm. in that as well. I love it. 
Yeah, could you imagine walking through a forest and just like judging every tree you walked by, you know, being like, that tree's too skinny, that tree's too big, that tree's like too curvy, that yeah. tree's like not 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 right how it is. Yeah. Like that one's it, decaying. It's so yeah. silly, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. You see it as as what it is. It's it's a holistic environment. It's a it's a it's an environment, right? Of, of of it's a forest. It's something holistic that requires all of those parts and, and they all have something to offer and are are beautiful in and of themselves. Mm. One of the things you said, Dora, that, that I really appreciate is, um, and it's kind of s- staying on this vein of cultivation and, and you know, using that garden metaphor is um, cultivating awe. And mm. I love it. I am someone who is captivated by, you know, things all the time that maybe would be trivial or mundane. And it's a practice. It takes work. But I feel like maybe some of us are more wired to see awe and wonder and mystery in the world um Mm -hmm. and it definitely took me some effort to to be able to do it but what does that look like for you what is that practice like or or how have you in your life worked to cultivate awe i just love that phrase that you used yeah one of my favorite places in vancouver is pacific spirit park there's something there, like the presence of all the trees that are so old and ancient. It feels like I'm in the presence of ancestors. Like yeah. that was one of the moments where I felt like a sense of awe. I felt so in- insignificant, like nothing mattered in that moment. I was like, this is incredible. And for me, I always have to come back to nature. Like seeing ants i remember when i was in saint lucia one time and i saw an ant carrying a spider and i was like what like this small little thing (laughs) is carrying a spider back to who knows where but i was just like this is incredible and i think it's just in those small moments which require me to pause and to slow down and i i think that's what i love about cultivating all it it reminds me and invites me to slow down um and to be present in my surroundings even right now i moved to a new apartment and i'm overlooking a park and there's trees there's trails, there's people outside. And I was really intentional with where I moved because it's easy when you're living in a big city to be surrounded by high rises and apartments. And I was like, if I'm going to be working from home, I need to be in a space that is inspiring um, and awe provoking. And yeah, so getting outside, I think is the biggest thing for me being in community, listening to people's stories. Um, with my class that I just taught, it was eight weeks of me guiding meditations with people who have never practiced meditation before and listening and witnessing the evolution of their lives over eight weeks is something that I just like, I was crying yesterday at the end of the program Mm. because I was like, this is amazing to see people realizing so much about themselves or feeling safe enough to share about things that they were afraid of or listening to one guy talk about how he was able to pause at work before he sent an email and it made such a big difference like those little moments are yeah awesome (laughs) you know like Uh, yeah yeah, the little things nature little things and people that's how I cultivate awe yeah that's that's great thank you thank you what about you two how do you cultivate awe I mean, similar, I think time in nature, I think being present with my, my, with my children, um, when I can have the 
the mindset to be aware and put my phone down and just be be there with them. I'm always in awe of them. Mm. Um, you know, watching the the ocean, watching water. Um, you know, feeling my body on a run or something like that can when I'm not listening to music. Mm. Yeah. What about yourself, Dean? Yeah, yeah, similar. I mean, some of the some of the I guess I would almost call them pillars really of awe is that mm. pause, like being intentional with a slowdown to notice something, right? I mean, here right now in spring, you know, like you, you had mentioned the, the wildflowers in, in the LA area. And mm. here we have like the cherry blossoms that come out and it's almost, it, it's like, not only are they so captivating, like they're, they, when you see a whole street of them, like it's very arresting, you can't help but stop and notice. And here we have people who, you know, not far from, from where we're recording right now, it's like Gary Point Park and it's, there's tons of trees, there's hundreds of trees there and literally thousands of people will come and be taking pictures and looking and so you can't miss it. But even things I'm reminded, I can think of a couple of stories. I was running down the South, um, South Dyke Trail here, uh, and it was a beautiful sunset after, you know, a series of rainy days and that there was probably 20 or 30 people out just at the edge of the dike ne- next to the river taking photos of the sunset. And I just paused, I stopped my run and looked at, admired everybody admiring the sunset. And I just, one of my favorite theologians has a, has a little slogan. He says, beauty will save the world. And that just like played through my mind. And that was a moment I hold on to of like, ah. <coughs> uh, or I remember walking uh, with my with my daughter when she was two or three and there was a big snail on the sidewalk and it was kind of a rainy day and she had her little like rain suit on and literally stopped. And it must have been the first time she saw a snail and was like aware, like, what is this? And she lay down on the sidewalk and was like this far away from the snail. And I was like, what? Ah, ah what do you do? Like, you know, get off the ground. And then I realized, no. And I lay down on the ground next to her and we both watched this snail and she asked all kinds of questions. And I have a picture of that on my Instagram and I look at that and I'm brought back to that moment to remember to slow down and look at and pay attention to and give credit to the things that are seemingly unimportant in life. Cause those mm. are often the most important pa- people, places and spaces. So. Yeah. I love that. Children are like, inspirational i'm like how can i be more carefree like a child or (laughs) non-judgmental and yeah they are role models for me i have a niece and she's just like i I guess wild but like she's just herself you know she's just everywhere doing her own thing doesn't really care if you like it or not and i'm like i it's funny as an adult now i'm trying to get back to that I'm like going through my journals, like, what did I like when I was younger? And I'm like seeing it in real time. And I'm like, this is it. This is the blueprint. Children are the blueprint. Like their curiosity is something that I'm like, I I wish I had that now as an adult. I wish I didn't have all the things that can kind of remove us from being curious of what will this look like? Or how is it going to feel? Or what will people think? Just to be curious. There's mm. so much freedom in that. Yeah. Mm. Well, in the age we live in too, right, with with uh, the devices that sit around our homes, whether we have to pick them up and type something in or we just say out loud, like, you know, ask the ask the device and it spits out the answer. In some ways, that's like a, that's an awe killer because there is no wondering, there's no mystery, there's no, oh, and letting your imagination fill in the blanks, you know, for better or for worse at times. But 
to be able to sit and have a conversation or seek out a friend or trusted advisor and say, hey, what do you think about this? I have this question now. We just silently outside of community turn to, you know, the search engine to to give us everything we need. And I'm like, oh, man. No. Yeah, it's what is it the other day I heard about chat GPT. I had never heard about that until yeah. someone was talking about it. And I'm like, this is wild. I personally like the process of learning. I love, you know, going down the rabbit holes and finding out about things and all these different things that are taken away from us when we're asking AI how do I do this? Or what does this mean? Or you know what I mean? And I mean, shout out to AI. <laughs> if anyone uses it, I know. Yeah. But I personally love the process of learning and being a student. That's something I find really valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So in the a, a few things that I'd love to kind of converse on. Uh, yeah. One, you know, I mentioned your use of language. I love I love your your play with with language. Um, and you use the word uh, wellness artist, mindfulness and meditation artist instead of teacher or facilitator or guide or guru or, you know, any of these other words that we commonly see in this, this industry. Um, and I've, I found this quote from one of these interviews, uh, one, an interview that you did in the past. I'm not sure mm -hmm. whose quote it is, if it's yours or somebody else, but you said being an artist means forever healing your own wounds at the same time and endlessly exposing them. Mm. So I, I thought maybe uh, we could talk about the language of, of sharing that you're a wellness artist, being a wellness artist versus a teacher mm. or guide and how that differs, you know, that experience that you allow for yourself and that you invite others into. Yeah. Um, there's more space for me to be human in that role. I think once you put teacher or guru or expert, it's like now you're on a pedestal intentionally, un unintentionally. But I know for me, I am like human being first and being an artist allows me to be that. It allows for more grace, more space, more compassion for myself and for others. Um, there was an interview that I just saw by Jill Scott, who's an R&B singer, and she was talking about what art is and art is living it's spending time with your family which you may or may not like it's reading it's heartbreak it's all of these things and for me my mindfulness and meditation practice is from all of that it's from living it's not from reading or you know intense like acquiring of knowledge and wisdom and just like spitting it back out i'm like I always tell people I'm right here alongside you in this journey. And I think that as human beings, we all have such unique expressions of presence, you know, how I experience presence, how you experience presence in you, like it's all going to be different. And if I can guide people to understand that or help people nurture what their presence is in their life, then that's what I want to do. I don't want to speak down on people or speak from this place of I know more. Um, I think the more that I practice, the more I realize I know nothing at all. And there's so much freedom in that. I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I'm still figuring it out and I don't want to know it all um, because that's when I stop learning. And yeah, the separation 
between student and teacher doesn't feel good. I think about when I was in high school, you know, it's like the teacher, I'll never forget my chemistry teacher. Like it was this French woman who was so mean to us. And I'm like, if this is how teachers are supposed to be, I don't want to be that. Like, that's not my role. That's not my purpose in life. I want to be on the ground with people alongside them on this journey. Um, and yeah, that's what being an artist allows me to do for sure. Yeah, I love that. Um, there's there's this uh, entrepreneur from L.A., Chip Conley, who has this quote that uh, wisdom is equal parts curiosity to knowledge. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that you you truly embody. And and we see in the wellness space, you know, there's so much um, there's so much expansion and beauty in the wellness space, but there's also lots of toxicity and exclusion and you know um i think a lot of people when they start teaching they forget to be the student um yeah. and I, I agree with you that we should be lifelong learners we should be curious and when we lose, lose that curiosity we kind of lose the possibility of our own evolution and our own um kind of growth um, yeah. So can you kind of uh, speak on your experiences as being that artist, being that that teacher to not use your language, but mine, like, um, but also continuing to be a student? Yeah, um, I want to say I have two degrees, so I love information. Yes. <laughs> like, not to talk down on people who are going to school or that, you know, that's the way that you acquire knowledge for yourself. But I feel like for me, what was important as being being a teacher is to be embodied, um, to speak from a place of like knowing, to use all the things that I've experienced as life as like a source of wisdom and inspiration. And that requires me to be in my body. That requires me to be present. That requires me to be vulnerable. Um, and I think I'm reading this book right now called The Courage to Teach. And it talks about how a lot of teachers are you know, they leave that life separate. They just talk about technique and what needs to be done and how to do it. And they leave themselves out of that. And I was noticing, you know, being in certain spaces that I would do that. Then I had to kind of check myself of like, what am I afraid of? <laughs> you know, what am I, what is it that I'm holding back? What's true for me in this moment? How can I share that with people? And that's how I connect, you know, when I have to withhold parts of myself or suppress parts of myself in order to show up and be a certain way, the cost of that is like my spirit, my sense of self. I think the other day I was having a conversation with someone and they were like, what does burnout look like for you? And it was like me not being myself. That's what is going to burn me out and is really draining of having to be this way around these people and then be this way around a different a different crowd of people. I just want to be my full self and teach from that place. Um, and that requires you to be vulnerable. It requires you to be honest with yourself. It requires you to be courageous. It requires you to, you know, check in with yourself and be accountable and, you know, be accountable to your values as a teacher. Um, and yeah, I hope one day that I'm able to teach other teachers about that side of things, like the shadow side of being a teacher, because I think it's it's a big job, you know, um, to teach people. 
right? You are now taking on the responsibility of maybe 20 people and guiding them. And then they are now taking the wisdom that you have and sharing it out into the world. And um, if you're not being your whole self, your full self, if you're not able to be vulnerable, um, that's reflected in what they learn. And I've learned that numerous times. So mm. I hope that answers your question. I'm just kind of riffing and rambling. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's uh those are really important statements and you know not to not to inflate your ego here but it sounds like it's those those are aware that's an awareness of someone who has like done the work and been on a journey uh like you didn't start there none of us would start there with that awareness so maybe what were some of the things the lessons along the way that helped you learn you know that being a teacher is actually like the ultimate student and ultimate learner. Like what was some of the pathway to get you to this level of awareness to say, you know, the more I know, the less I know. And mm -hmm. as, as someone, you know, who had, like you say, has the degrees and, and many accolades to prove that you do know what you're doing and talking about and sharing, but in such a way that's, um, you know, nuanced with this, this deep humility, reverence for the subject, acknowledgement of your own humanity as you guide, you know, from alongside with others. What, what was the process of, of getting to this version of yourself? Heartbreak, probably. <laughs> heartbreak is such a good teacher. There's so much medicine in having your heart broken. Um, it's deeply humbling. Uh, to hold space for yourself. There was a point, I want to say last year, where I cried for three weeks straight. And it was like also like a purging process. Like I never, I have never cried like that in my life, but it was just something that I was like, something's coming out. I don't know what I'm giving birth to in this moment, but I'm trusting it. And it was like a deep release and a deep surrender. And I think being vulnerable with yourself like that uh, sitting with your pain, understanding your pain. There's so much compassion that you have for yourself. And then you start to realize how many other people are doing this, how many other people are experiencing this same pain as well. And that sense of compassion is something that I'm so aware of and so cognizant of, of like, I'm experiencing this, but also so many other people and to just, you know, slap a title on and say I'm a teacher and I never experience anything and life is great and dandy and I'm enlightened. I'm like, that's not it. <laughs> there's a lot of like darkness. Yeah, there's a lot of darkness that I really had to sit with, especially the last three years. I don't know if you all are into astrology, but I um, just had my Saturn return. It finished. This Your Saturn return is like your cosmic initiation into adulthood and that's when life just really sits you down and makes you look at yourself and sit with all the ways that you've been showing up for the past 27 years and so you experience that for three years and mine was all about relationships and um, I went through a really big breakup that opened my eyes to like what life is and how uncertain life is also being in the pandemic um, that was like a whole other uncertainty and then moving to a new country at the same time and having just to trust the process and the unfolding of that. It required me to let go in a way that I've like never had to let go before. And 
coming out of that on the other side and being who I am now, um, it just showed me that it, like any anything is possible. Um, and you will get through it. And that's that's what I teach from. I'm like, yeah, life sucks and things are hard, but there's always possibility in these moments where, you know, maybe you've been buried or there's a lot of a lot of darkness or there's a lot of pain. I'm like, this is also going to serve you in a time when you need it or allow you to be of service to other people and share that medicine or that wisdom with other people. And in those moments, you don't really know that. But I think if you stick along, you stick around and you sit with it and you're able to be with it and to ride it out, there's so much beauty that comes out on the other side that I think a lot of people miss out on that because it is hard you know, to cry for three weeks straight. I like, I, <laughs> I don't wish that on anyone, but again, I think it was just what it, what was needed for me at that time. And yeah. Um, yeah. Heartbreak is a teacher of mine for, for sure. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing in retrospect, you know, it's hard to see in the moment that those hard times, those dark times, those broken times can be the puzzle pieces that we need to experience to be full. Um, yeah. I was listening. I can't remember who I was listening to, but they were talking about like we talked about tending to the garden, having childlike awe, um, but also treating our emotions like um, like they're our children. You know, having like patience and and reverence and and if we treat our heartbreak and our fear and our anxiety and our pain like we would our own five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old children, how would that change your experience with your own emotions? Um, yeah. That, I just wanted to share that thought. But I, I, I also want to ask, you know, for those listening, if someone is, is deep in that darkness and a heartbreak or just feeling broken from, you know, pandemic the system whatever it might be and they're they're feeling paralyzed to to take a step do you have any first steps or any words that you can share to to help alleviate some of that yeah um one community was really important for me you had one of my really good friends on your show before Navi Gill um, having that sense of sisterhood, knowing that I wasn't alone was really, really, really important for me. She, when I was living in Vancouver, came over and dropped off like a wellness kit for me. She would check in. She really held space for me to just like let go and, you know, do what I needed to do. And so if there are people in your life that you trust, um, that you can connect with to just share and be vulnerable, I would say, reach out to those people, for me, you know, being a teacher and being known as that out in the world, I don't think that people would have known what I was going through at that time. And so sometimes the roles that we play in the world can confine us to not want to reach out to people because we should have it all figured out and we should know what to do. But sometimes we don't know what to do. You know, sometimes it's hard to care for ourselves and that's where community comes in. So finding the people in your life that you can connect with. Therapy is also something that saved my life. I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I love therapy. I love my therapist. Um, I liken therapy to mindfulness and meditation because 
you know, at a certain point, you may not be able to sit with your mind, but you now have someone who's like that non-judgmental perspective that can allow you to process whatever it is that you're going through and give you advice, give you tips, um, provide you with guidance, which I think was really helpful for me. Um, and compassion, befriending yourself in those moments. Um, it's so easy to be hard on ourselves or to try and go back and change. And maybe I would have done this or I could have done this differently or all those different things that can come up in the mind. And just acknowledging yourself as a friend, being there for you, yourself as a friend, trusting in the process, doing the things that make you feel good. I have a, every time I go through a breakup, I have a 24 hour like breakup protocol of like tears, R&B and like peanut butter. That's my, <laughs> that's my go-to. <laughs> it works. <laughs> but yeah compassion and just doing the things that feel good for you I don't know why I don't have any other words of wisdom right now but those are usually hey. my go-tos I'm sure peanut more will come up later peanut but. butter just you know we all need to sit with some R&B and some peanut butter and <laughs> things will be okay do you eat the peanut butter by itself or are you like with dates. with dates I love dates and peanut butter together just the best snack ever nice, nice. <laughs> I love peanut butter too. I always Dean has a nut allergy, so he he's like sesame butter. Yeah, but uh, you know, our tahini, you know, tahini, tahini, tahini is good. Sunflower butter, sunflower seed butter is good. And they do right. have the they do have the 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 not peanut butter that's like made out of soybeans or whatever, and it's pretty close to the original. Yeah. Yeah, I just tried black sesame tahini Ooh. last Oof. night, and it's really good. It's so good. I wasn't expecting that, but it's really, really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love sesame and tahini. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe to change things up a little bit for, for a few minutes, um, I've loved following uh, your journey online, and I really uh, loved following your running journey. Can you talk about Dora, the the marathon runner? I know. I'm a marathoner. Let's go. Um, I know. <laughs> It was great. I actually started running back in 2012 after a breakup. Um, and that's also when I started to meditate as well. And um, you just need to keep breaking up with people. It keeps uh, you keep <laughs> leveling up every time you break up. You know? Yeah. Sorry. Now that I think about it, what is time? 2010 is when I had that breakup. And that's when I started to meditate and run and Back then, it was like, I just need to run. I want to escape. I need to get out of the house. Like, it was very cathartic. Um, And there's just something about moving your body in that way that just allows you to be fully present um, and just to be so in tune with yourself and your being and your environment. I was living in Victoria at the time, and I ran maybe for like three years. Um, until my knees were like, we can't do this anymore. And I stopped. Um, I run once in a while. Um, and then when I moved to LA, I was trying to find community here. And I found this running group that's based in South Central, Girl Gang Crazy. And um, they train people for marathons and TSP, which is a run from LA to Las Vegas. I was like, I'm not ready for that yet, but I'll do the LA marathon. So I ran three half marathons before, and this was my first full marathon. And just to see the evolution of my mind throughout that, like knowing that I had started to meditate at the same time I was running, and then now being able to witness my mind as I was running the marathon and noticing how 
how compassionate I was to myself and how that inner voice was like so soft and so gentle and so nurturing. And um, it was, yeah, it was incredible. Like it was a really, really good run. Um, I was prepared. We trained for 13 weeks. Uh, we would do like track workouts, tempo runs, long runs. We did strength and mobility. So like that foundation was set. But running is a mental thing. I don't think a lot of people <laughs> know that that don't run. But I mean, at the 23rd mile, I was like, I'm tired. Like my body is tired. Even though I've been fueling and doing all the things, I'm like, I wonder if anyone would notice if I just kind of like left and <laughs> didn't come back. <laughs> but I was like, no. I'm training. I'm doing this thing for me. Um, health is so important to me. My grandparents died at 40. Um, you know, my family struggles with like alcoholism and diabetes and health is something that I'm really committed to, to kind of end that cycle. And so that's what I would remember as I was running, like who I'm running for and why I'm running. And that allowed me to finish. And yeah, I mean, it's a physical thing. It's also such a mental and spiritual thing as well. I don't know if you both experienced that, but yeah, it was like out of body experience for sure. It was so beautiful and so rewarding to be able to run for that long with thousands of people who also wanted to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. You, you really get the sense at a start line like, wow, I'm I'm not the only one. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. all doing this, okay? <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. With with for each person, it's a different it's a different why, right? Which I I love because sometimes that's the thing that gets you out the door for for any pursuit, anything. I think that's a that's a challenge physically for us. Like if we if we attach our purpose to it, our why to it, um, it really helps us when the going gets tough. And you know, it's cliche, but those are those are the lessons from sport, athletics, any kind of physical pursuit that the transfer over to life right that when when it gets tough you come back to your purpose and your why and and whether you're you know running freely and easily or you're just still going one foot at a time um yeah. that that brings you back yeah did you, yeah did you find it was an extension of your your meditation practices at all or was it just like a different experience no, it was definitely, I'm so grateful that I had my practice because at one point I didn't listen to music up until the 22nd mile. So that was another thing of like, I was just doing a body scan the entire time up until that moment where I was like, okay, I need, I need a little boost. <laughs> I need a little something. So prior, yeah, but prior to the 22nd mile, I was just focusing on my breathing, focusing on like my body as it was moving, noticing the shift of weight from my left foot to my right foot. And just telling myself like one step at a time, one breath at a time. And that's all I was saying. And that carried me through until the last six or four miles. Yeah. What's, what's the first, what's the first track on the playlist that gives you that boost? Oh, that's a great question. There is an artist called Mark. I don't know how to say his last name, right? Mark Rebelt or Rybelt or Rebel. I, I don't know. But the track is called Surviving. I think he wrote it in his kitchen. I don't know if it's like a rap or a freestyle, but he just like is talking about how you have to hold on. It's like two minutes only. And that's all I listened to as I went towards the finish line. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I first heard that song, uh, my ex and I, he was on your podcast, Akeem. Shout out to him. We were in St. Lucia and I listened to that song while we were climbing the Piton Mountains, which are like so high. The elevation is so high. And that song came on in my ear and I was like, okay, I got this. So that song is always when I need like a boost of energy or like motivation. I'll always play that. So that carried me through. <laughs> nice. I love that. My, I'll send you my song later. It's a, it's a strange like uh, oh, yeah. it's called Star Rider, and I'll listen to it on repeat, and I like feel like I transform into the Star Rider while I'm running. So <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send it to you. It's a good track. Love that. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I remember. I remember meeting um, a runner from um, London, and he runs. He leads the Run Dem crew, Charlie Dark. And he's he mixes like hip hop and and running culture and it's just so awesome. And he spoke at an event uh, here in Vancouver, the Lululemon Half Marathon Seaweeds. And I was fortunate nice. enough to to jump in, get in the room while he was speaking. And he talked about like your soul notes. And so he yeah. encouraged everyone to like write your why, your purpose for running, whether it's like for yourself, for someone else, or or what the goal is, and and tuck it in your shoe like uh, the night before the run. And that why that way, as you think about it, you know, put it in one shoe, both shoes, whatever. But as that foot or as your feet hit the pavement and it starts to get hard like you'll remember why you're doing it and everyone's like oh man like yes that's such that's such good wisdom and then he's like and then also have like a good playlist <laughs> i was like of course yeah, yeah. it's so so good <laughs> yeah but, what's your running song Ooh. Uh, I have a few, but there's one actually that, that always gets me hyped up and I've done the same thing as you on different runs. If, if I don't always run with, with music, um, but it's actually by uh, stick of dead prez. Uh, he has a, he has an album that's like geared towards fitness and health. It's called the RBG fit club. Uh, it's no. an amazing, it's, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And there's got, it. yeah, honestly, he's got songs about like Qigong and like, it's just, it's so it's as only stick could do, but it's so like, good. Yeah. Plant-based eating. Oh yeah. But they have oh, a song God. called run and it's like the perfect BPM to just like get you moving. And it's people yeah. like it's, you know, he raps on it and sings on it. And then there's people just giving their like anecdotes, like their why for running. Um, and it's like different. You, you might recognize some of the voices on, on the track or whatever, but it's just so awesome. And I will just like loop that. Oh, and it just gets me hyped. I've run my fastest kilometers listening to that track for sure. No way. Yeah, that was something I had to watch out for because I really get into like a good song and I can burn out quickly when there's like a really fast paced song. I'm like, okay, let's go. So that's all another reason why I didn't listen to music. I was like, I really want to try and pace myself. Um, and it worked out also running with thousands of people like for the first 10 miles we were like body to body running in the streets and I was like okay I guess I can only go this fast so yeah I I wrote down that album so I can listen to it later. yeah check it out it's so it's one it's one of my faves yeah. it gets me up the gross grind every summer and through Ooh. workouts and all that kind of stuff yeah. <laughs> forgot about the grouse oh, yeah yeah <laughs> Oh man, that's yeah. Forgot that. But I don't know why those kind of things, running a marathon, pushing my body to its limits. Like again, that's there's so much awe in that of like, wow, look at what my body can do and how it can adjust and how it's able to sustain me. Like running the marathon, I was like, this is 
this has to be some kind of trauma to the body that's happening right now. Like this isn't normal. I've never walked for 26 miles before. I didn't know it was possible, let alone running and jogging and the recovery time. Like I was only sore for a day after that and I, I was good. And just knowing that it's because I've trained and been taking really good care of myself. Like it was, I was just, yes, in such awe and like deep reverence for my body um, being able to do that. So is it going to be the first of many marathons or where do you see your, your running practice going? Yeah, I'm running a half marathon, but it's a trail race, uh, April 15th with a friend. So I'm really, really excited for that because I think cement was a bit too hard mm. <laughs> for my knees. Yeah. 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 Trails, um, trails a little more yeah. forgiving that way. Pardon? The trails are a little bit more forgiving on our bodies that way. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be around a lake, like two hours away from LA. So I'm excited to also be in nature because it's cool to run in the city, but to be among the trees and flowers and water. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm definitely going to run more. I'm thinking about doing the Chicago marathon too, Oof. if I get a chance. Nice. Nice. Well, as we kind of start to, to wrap things up, I'm curious, um, you know, I know Dora, the artist and, and, you know, the, the voice that I hear when I put my headspace on to kind of tune in, but where, where are you showing up as a student right now? Like what is lighting up your curiosity? You know, obviously, you know, continuing to be a runner and learn from your own vulnerabilities, but, um, yeah, where are you showing up as a student? What's lighting up your curiosities right now? Yeah, I um, had a really beautiful opportunity to be mentored by Saki Santarelli, who is like one of the founders of MBSR and mindfulness in the Western world. And that reminded me of how much I desire to be a student when it comes to teaching mindfulness. And so that kind of reignited that spark of I want to get back to the basics. You know, sometimes we can forget that when we've been doing something for so long. And um, that's been really sparking my curiosity of going on more retreats and having more mentors and teachers in this space and people that I can learn from and be be able to be guided. Um, I think, you know, when you're labeled as an expert, you kind of think that you don't need to have that. And um, I love learning. I love being held accountable for my practices. I love being like critiqued and questioned and, you know, it really allows me to expand as a teacher. So that's something that I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about building community in LA as well. I just started working with Nike, which is really exciting. And um, I'm a part of their like LA trainer community now. So I get to connect with other teachers in this space and build community because I love being around other human beings and hopefully can start to host retreats here, urban wellness retreats and maybe travel and host retreats as well. So outside of the work that I do, um, just tending to the things that really light me up and like fill me and nourish me. Yeah. That's awesome. Sign, sign me up. I can't wait. I, I'll hit up that retreat for sure. Oh, that sounds great. Um, you've shared so much about, about the, the work that you do. And uh, I mean, honestly, you know, even in the pre-pod and, and exchanging some emails back and forth, talking about like vulnerability and authenticity. I mean, I, I truly sense from 
whether it's a yeah listening to to one of your meditations or just this conversation like it just shines through in who you are so just a just an extension of gratitude to you for for showing up you know as your true self in in these in these ways for others to begin to do the same um, but so much of the work you do from, you know, breath work, which is this ancient and almost like sacred practice that we have, uh, the art of meditation, of being still, of focusing on ourselves and, you know, our breath and even movement and these things, they're often described as like spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious, like, what does that look like for you? Are these things spiritual? Are they functional embodiment tools that just help us clear our minds is there a connection to, you know, we talked about the connection to the cosmos and the planet in, in our awareness of these things. Is there a connection to what some people will call God or source or ground of being the, the divine when you enter into these spaces? What does that, how does that factor in or play in if it does for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm a spiritual gal. I'm a woo-woo gal all the way through. I love science, don't get me wrong, but um, there's just something about the unknown, the mystery, the, uh, that connection, even when we're out in nature, it's a spiritual experience for me to think about what is beyond this, you know, how did I get here? How did the trees get here? What was here before I was, um, you know, and I, 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 I feel like everything is spiritual until it's not. Um, and I hope that everything has a spirit with it and that we're moving with this intention of being connected to our spirits. Um, I talk a lot about that when it comes to authenticity, like I lean on my own spirit and my own knowing for wisdom, for guidance and getting back to that for me has been a really beautiful practice because it allows me to be whole. If I'm only thinking and in my mind or intellectualizing things, it it's not enough for me, you know, it's one thing to know, but it's another thing to really like feel. Um, And that's something that I'm trying to be really intentional of is like, how can I get back to like spirit? And when did it become such a, like a dirty word to be spiritual where I really don't even like to use the word woo woo because I'm like, this is it sustains us. You know, I grew up in a really Christian home. I know that my mom and dad's faith are what allowed them to get to where they are. That's probably why I'm here and why I'm still alive. Like while I was running the marathon, my mom was fasting and praying throughout the entire time. And there are those things that I'm like, even if it seems woo-woo, I'm like, I I don't even want to know what my life would be like without it, (laughs) you know? So I have deep reverence for all things spiritual. And I think it's just, it's always just our relationship to those things, right? Like, what is your relationship to spiritual things? It may not be God, you know, maybe it's being out in nature, being with family, or as long as you're able to give it a definition for yourself that feels good. I'm like, why not believe in the stars? Why not (laughs) believe in these things? If that's what allows you to stay connected to yourself and who you are, then trust that. Um, but I also, you know, have a bachelor's of science in psychiatric nursing, nursing and recognize the importance of having research and evidence-based articles and all those things that can inform us to make the world a better place. So it's a balance, you know, sometimes I'll be spiritual with these people and not so spiritual with other people. Mm. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's just a balance. I feel, yeah, we're a couple of woo-woo boys over here too. So. 
Our, love it, love it. Yeah. yeah. Our, yeah. I, it's funny. We were joking before the pod that like we just want to go more woo. You know, like it's so so much more exciting. There's so much more curiosity and magic yeah. and possibility, and it just like opens up a different way of living. And um, our our friend Navi that you you mentioned. Uh, she, you know, sometimes I'll say woo-woo things with her. And she's like, woo-woo is just like a word that, you know, the colonial world puts on things when they don't understand something because it came from another culture that, like, wasn't yeah. a colonial culture. So um, they're just like, uh, you know, spiritual ancient practices from various, you know, cultures and wisdoms that have been around for a long time. And, and yeah. I, I'm trying to remember these ancient practices. Yeah. Shout out to her. She's always reminding me of my truth. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> yeah. I always feel safe to be myself around her. Yeah. yeah. We, we could all use like a little more Navi in our lives for sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So for those listening, you know, you're, you're as an artist, um, as a facilitator, are there, I love to have some takeaways so that people can can bring these practices, bring these teachings into their their own journey. Um, you know, obviously, checking out your your work on Headspace, on YouTube, on your Instagram. Um, are there any like books or resources that have been profound for yourself on on your own journey that you think w- could benefit others that are listening? Yes, books. I love books. I'm the type of person that is reading like 14 books at once <laughs> right now. Yes, yes. <laughs> but a book I'm reading for any teachers out there, uh, it's called The Courage to Teach by Parker Palmer. And it just talks about um, being vulnerable as a teacher. And when did that, when did there become like a separation or a division between being a teacher and being a human being and allowing your students to see both sides of that? Um, it's been, I'm in like halfway and it's beautiful. It's such a really beautiful, beautiful book and has been inviting me to just reflect on how I show up as a teacher. So highly recommend. Always have to share Bell Hooks, All About Love, OG book about love and compassion. Um, what else am I reading? <laughs> I can see the bookshelf in the yeah. background. Yeah. <laughs> like what else? Uh, ooh, and the Mindful Athlete by George Mumford. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a good one. Great book. great book. I started reading that book because of my running and just trying to get a more like, yeah, what's the perspective of mindfulness through an athlete or like a coach? And he has been practicing for so long and has worked with like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and yeah, really enjoying that book right now. So for any athletes or runners that are listening, definitely check that book out and born to run. I haven't started reading that, but I'm excited because someone that I was working with, uh, told me I need to read that book and so I don't know what it's about but it seems good talking it's, about running I'm it's honestly running right so it's good I, I recommend the audio yes and I recommend yes. the audio book because then you can listen to it while you're running and uh, and it's so I know it might take you out of your cadence but listening to it like an audio book versus music I think yep. you'll stay in a good pace and it I can still like picture myself running listening to it and just being so excited about running while listening about running and then I talk yeah. about running and it'd just be like this like cozy little ecosystem of wanting to move my body. 
Yeah, I also share, I have to share, I don't have to share, but I love to share about Headspace because there's just so much that we're doing right now and so much that I have the honor and privilege to do through our podcast. So if you are new to the practice of meditation and mindfulness, we have a podcast called Dear Headspace and us teachers get to talk about mindfulness with people who send in their questions. There's Sunday Scaries, which I'm the host of, that talks about fighting the dread of going into a new work week, which, yeah, when I was working at a nurse, I definitely had that dread a lot. Um, and just all the content in the app. There's just so much there to support people. So happy to share a code or whatever I can do just to get people connected because, yeah, mindfulness I'm realizing is scary for a lot of people, especially when you don't understand it or what it is. Like there can be a lot of fear of like, am I doing this right? This is hard. Is it supposed to be hard? And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's simple, but not easy. So happy to share a code. And yeah, we'll love to answer questions if folks have any for me, for sure. Amazing. I love those Sunday scaries. That one's really good. Yeah, we just got nominated. No, I was nominated as an honoree for the webby awards for best hosts i just found out this morning so wow. that's really exciting Congratulations! Yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah so it's a labor of love but excited that people really enjoy it yes that's that's one way to affirm the impact that you're having right we often talk about like the positive trail that we leave behind us as we navigate our way through the world but when you get those kind of like affirmations it's just so it just helps you to keep going and pursue the work that you're doing so that, that's i'm so happy for you that's amazing thank you yeah thank you. so good um Dora, we are so grateful for you for sharing your time with us today sharing your stories your wisdom the things you know that you have done and practiced to to be the person that you are to show up in the world in the ways that you do um so we are so grateful for you and, and for this time um we love to end our podcast with this question that we ask you know pretty much every single guest we've had on except from a few from the early days when we were still figuring out what the heck we were doing here <laughs> but um zach zach uh, and I called this podcast a little more good. And we actually came up with it. Zach came up with it on a run and shared it with me while we were out running. And I was just like, yes, this resonates so well. It's like, it's, it's what we want to do. It's what we want to be and see in the world is just like a little more good through kind of all avenues. But we'd love to know, like, how does that sentence land with you? What does it mean to you when you hear a little more good? Hmm. I hear a little more human. Um, yeah, I, uh, remembering my humanness is something that I try to remember throughout my days. And if I can remember that I'm a human being and remember that we're all human beings trying our best, I think that can inspire us to connect um, in a much deeper and compassionate way. And I think there's a little bit of good in that. Um, living in LA, we're all driving in our cars, stuck in traffic, and we forget that we're the traffic for someone else. And there's that disconnection there. And I think just remembering that we're all human beings with somewhere to go um, can remind us of the good in the world. I think it can connect us. So yeah, remembering humanness. Amazing. Be human. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dora. Um, so, as Dean said, so grateful for, for you, your time, for the space that you hold for yourself and for others. Um, I think you are uh, blazing a path, whether through your meditations or your running, 
uh, for for a lot uh, a lot of goodness in this world, and and I'm grateful for it. And um, yeah, con- excited to continue to tune into the Sunday Scaries and and follow your work, and hopefully we can connect uh, either next time you're in Vancouver or or next time where we find ourselves in LA. Yeah, thank you so much. This vessel or instrument that you've created, I know, is probably making an impact on so many people and giving people the space to just talk freely um, is so important. So thank you for allowing me to maybe ramble. Hopefully it made sense. But (laughs) yeah, just to be my full self Mm. and show up as I am. um, Appreciate you both. Amazing. Thank you, Dara. Boom. Dora. So good. So good. Just such a honestly radiant, beautiful, graceful person from the inside and out. Uh, such wonderful perspectives on how to be in the world, right? Uh, from from the simplicity of taking a breath to the complexity of understanding, you know, as she was explaining how kind of meditation works with the vag- the vagal nerve and the vagus system and and it can regulate our body from sympathetic and parasympathetic states uh, just uh brilliant and so thoughtful and so kind um it feels like speaking with her and being in her presence is just like uh coming home it's like a warm cup of your favorite tea you know it's just so comforting and soothing and i could just listen to her all day from her stories about running to the stories of meditation uh, and you can listen to her yes on demand on demand Dora on demand <laughs> right by uh, visiting visiting the Headspace get that app get in there you can uh, yeah, I think she said even some of their stuff is on YouTube yep. so you can check it out there and follow along uh, and continue to get all of what you need from Dora Kamau so check out her website as well her Instagram uh, great resources all under her name Dora Kamaus K-A-M-A-U so you can search her up there and give her a follow in all of the places uh, and continue to learn from this wonderful wonderful human being so thank you Dora for sharing with us All right. thank you to the listener yeah thank you Dora thank you listeners thank you for making it this far on this ever winding ever curious journey of ours if you enjoyed this episode we are forever grateful if you can Share it with a friend, share it with a neighbor, share it with someone that you think would enjoy this episode and, you know, would help raise their their own being, their own consciousness and relationship to self and other and, and the world. Um, share it with, uh, you know, whoever you think could benefit from it. Also goes a far away in letting us spread the word. If you could um, share a review uh, on Spotify or Apple, five stars, you know, if you thought it was great all the way down to one if you did not enjoy it. Uh, all reviews are appreciated and grateful. Um, yeah, thanks for making it this far. We look forward to seeing y'all, same place, same spot next week. All right. Stay good, y'all. Peace.